Thank you for tuning in to Songs of Praise from 3ABN Australia Radio. We trust you'll enjoy this musical selection to bring you peace, comfort and hope.
Songs of Praise endeavours to draw your heart, mind and soul to a close relationship with your Saviour, Jesus Christ.
To pass. 
As I look back on this road I've traveled, I see so many times He carried me through. If there's one thing that I've learned in my life, it's my Redeemer is faithful and true. My Redeemer is faithful and true. Everything He has said, He will do. And every morning, His mercies are new. My Redeemer is faithful. I'm preparing for you I know someday I'll see my Lord Face to face Cause my Redeemer Is faithful and true My Redeemer is faithful and true Everything He And in every situation 
If you're enjoying this music, encourage your friends to listen to this program each week.
Just over the mountain is the promised land. Lies that holy city built by God's own hand. As our weary footsteps gain the mountain's crest, we can view. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
your family and friends to also enjoy songs of praise.
See 
We here at 3ABN Australia Radio are delighted to share songs of praise with you. We look forward to your company next time. Welcome to 3ABN Australia Radio's book reading program. The book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen White, presents the parables of Jesus in a fresh light, showing their application to Christian living today. In this devotional classic, Ellen White explores the depths of the best-loved teachings of Jesus, offering a deeply spiritual understanding of the parables of Christ as they apply to our lives today. You'll enjoy the practical applications in a way that touches your heart. Listen now as Clive Nash reads. Continuing the chapter, Hidden Treasure. If our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4. Value of the Treasure The Saviour saw that men were absorbed in getting gain and were losing sight of eternal realities. He undertook to correct this evil. He sought to break the infatuating spell that was paralyzing the soul. Lifting up his voice, he cried, What is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Matthew 16, verse 26. He presents before fallen humanity the nobler world they have lost sight of, that they may behold eternal realities. He takes them to the threshold of the infinite, flushed with the indescribable glory of God, and shows them the treasure there. The value of this treasure is above gold or silver. The riches of earth's mines 
cannot compare with it. The depth saith, It is not in me, and the sea saith, It is not with me. It cannot be gotten for gold, neither shall silver be weighed for the price thereof. It cannot be valued with the gold of Ophir, with the precious onyx or the sapphire, the gold and the crystal cannot equal it, and the exchange of it shall be for jewels of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or pearls, for the price of wisdom is above rubies. Job 28, verses 14 to 18. This is the treasure that is found in the Scriptures. The Bible is God's great lesson book, His great educator. The foundation of all true science is contained in the Bible. Every branch of knowledge may be found by searching the Word of God. And above all else, it contains the science of all sciences, the science of salvation. The Bible is the mine of the unsearchable riches of Christ. The true higher education is gained by studying and obeying the Word of God. But when God's Word is laid aside for books that do not lead to God and the kingdom of heaven, the education acquired is a perversion of the name. There are wonderful truths in nature. The earth, the sea, and the sky are full of truth. They are our teachers. Nature utters her voice in lessons of heavenly wisdom and eternal truth. But fallen man will not understand. Sin has obscured his vision, and he cannot of himself interpret nature without placing it above God. Correct lessons cannot impress the minds of those who reject the word of God. The teaching of nature is by them so perverted that it turns the mind away from the Creator. By many, man's wisdom is thought to be higher than the wisdom of the divine teacher, and God's lesson book is looked upon as old-fashioned, stale, and uninteresting. But by those who have been vivified by the Holy Spirit, it is not so regarded. They see the priceless treasure, and would sell all to buy the field that contains it. Instead of books containing the suppositions of reputedly great authors, they choose the word of him who is the greatest author and the greatest teacher the world has ever known, who gave his life for us, that through him we might have everlasting life. Results of Neglecting the Treasure Satan works on human minds, leading them to think that there is wonderful knowledge to be gained apart from God. By deceptive reasoning, he led Adam and Eve to doubt God's word and to supply its place with a theory that led to disobedience. And his sophistry is doing today what it did in Eden. Teachers who mingle the sentiments of infidel authors with the education they are giving plant in the minds of youth thoughts that will lead to distrust of God and transgression of his law. Little do they know what they are doing. Little do they realize what will be the result of their work. A student may go through all the grades of the schools and colleges of today. He may devote all his powers to acquiring knowledge. But unless he has a knowledge of God, unless he obeys the laws that govern his being, he will destroy himself. By wrong habits, he loses his power of self-appreciation. He loses self-control. He cannot reason correctly about matters that concern him most closely. He is reckless and irrational in his treatment of mind and body. By wrong habits, he makes of himself a wreck. Happiness he cannot have, for his neglect to cultivate pure, healthful principles places him under the control of habits that ruin his peace. 
His years of taxing study are lost, for he has destroyed himself. He has misused his physical and mental powers, and the temple of the body is in ruins. He is ruined for this life and for the life to come. By acquiring earthly knowledge, he thought to gain a treasure, but by laying his Bible aside, he sacrificed a treasure worth everything else. Search for the treasure. The Word of God is to be our study. We are to educate our children in the truths found therein. It is an inexhaustible treasure, but men fail to find this treasure because they do not search until it is within their possession. Very many are content with a supposition in regard to the truth. They are content with the surface work, taking for granted that they have all that is essential. They take the sayings of others for truth, being too indolent to put themselves to diligent earnest labor represented in the word as digging for hidden treasure. But man's inventions are not only unreliable, they are dangerous, for they place man where God should be. They place the sayings of men where a thus saith the Lord should be. Christ is the truth. His words are truth, and they have a deeper significance than appears on the surface. All the sayings of Christ have a value beyond their unpretending appearance. Minds that are quickened by the Holy Spirit will discern the value of these sayings. They will discern the precious gems of truth, though these may be buried treasures. Human theories and speculations will never lead to an understanding of God's Word. Those who suppose that they understand philosophy think that their explanations are necessary to unlock the treasures of knowledge and to prevent heresies from coming into the church. But it is these explanations that have brought in false theories and heresies. Men have made desperate efforts to explain what they thought to be intricate scriptures, but too often their efforts have only darkened that which they tried to make clear. The priests and Pharisees thought they were doing great things as teachers by putting their own interpretation upon the Word of God. But Christ said of them, Ye know not the Scriptures, neither the power of God. Mark 12, verse 24. He charged them with the guilt of teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Mark 7, verse 7. Though they were the teachers of the oracles of God, though they were supposed to understand His Word, they were not doers of the Word. Satan had blinded their eyes that they should not see its true import. This is the work of many in our day. Many churches are guilty of this sin. There is danger, great danger, that the supposed wise men of today will repeat the experience of the Jewish teachers. They falsely interpret the divine oracles, and souls are brought into perplexity and shrouded in darkness because of their misconception of divine truth. The scriptures need not be read by the dim light of tradition or human speculation. As well might we try to give light to the sun with a torch as to explain the scriptures by human tradition or imagination. God's holy word needs not the torchlight glimmer of earth to make its glories distinguishable. It is light in itself, the glory of God revealed, and beside it every other light is dim. But there must be earnest study and close investigation. Sharp, clear perceptions of truth will never be the reward of indolence. No earthly blessing can be obtained without earnest, patient, persevering effort. If men attain success in business, 
they must have a will to do and a faith to look for results. And we cannot expect to gain spiritual knowledge without earnest toil. Those who desire to find the treasures of truth must dig for them as the miner digs for the treasure hidden in the earth. No half-hearted, indifferent work will avail. It is essential for old and young not only to read God's Word, but to study it with wholehearted earnestness, praying and searching for truth as for hidden treasure. Those who will do this will be rewarded, for Christ will quicken the understanding. Our salvation depends on a knowledge of the truth contained in the Scriptures. It is God's will that we should possess this. Search, oh search the precious Bible with hungry hearts. Explore God's Word as the miner explores the earth to find veins of gold. Never give up the search until you have ascertained your relation to God and His will in regard to you. Christ declared, Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. John 14, verses 13 and 14. Men of piety and talent catch views of eternal realities, but often they fail of understanding because the things that are seen eclipse the glory of the unseen. He who would seek successfully for the hidden treasure must rise to higher pursuits than the things of this world. His affections and all his capabilities must be consecrated to the search. Disobedience has closed the door to a vast amount of knowledge that might have been gained from the Scriptures. Understanding means obedience to God's commandments. The Scriptures are not to be adapted to meet the prejudice and jealousy of men. They can be understood only by those who are humbly seeking for a knowledge of the truth that they may obey it. Do you ask, what shall I do to be saved? You must lay your preconceived opinions, your hereditary and cultivated ideas, at the door of investigation. If you search the Scriptures to vindicate your own opinions, you will never reach the truth. Search in order to learn what the Lord says. If conviction comes as you search, if you see that your cherished opinions are not in harmony with the truth, do not misinterpret the truth in order to suit your own belief, but accept the light given. Open mind and heart that you may behold wondrous things out of God's Word. Faith in Christ as the world's Redeemer calls for an acknowledgement of the enlightened intellect controlled by a heart that can discern and appreciate the heavenly treasure. This faith is inseparable from repentance and transformation of character. To have faith means to find and accept the gospel treasure with all the obligations which it imposes. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. John 3 verse 3. He may conjecture and imagine, but without the eye of faith he cannot see the treasure. Christ gave his life to secure for us this inestimable treasure. But without regeneration through faith in his blood, there is no remission of sins, no treasure for any perishing soul. We need the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit in order to discern the truths in God's Word. The lovely things of the natural world are not seen until the sun dispelling the darkness, floods them with its light. So the treasures in the Word of God are not appreciated until they are revealed by the bright beams of the Son of Righteousness. The Holy Spirit, sent from heaven by the benevolence of infinite love, takes the things of God 
and reveals them to every soul that has an implicit faith in Christ. By His power, the vital truths upon which the salvation of the soul depends are impressed upon the mind, and the way of life is made so plain that none need err therein. As we study the Scriptures, we should pray for the light of God's Holy Spirit to shine upon the Word, that we may see and appreciate its treasures. Join us again next time as Clive Nash continues to read from the book Christ's Object Lessons, written by Ellen G. White. Hope you enjoy the short presentation of how God led His people after the Reformation from lineagejourney.com. In the 1850s, Rochester, New York was a relatively new town with lots of new industries and people moving in. The early Advent believers would settle here for a few years in a sort of youth commune. A house was procured for the rent of $175 a year on what is now 491 Mount Hope Avenue. The Whites would live here for three and a half years from the spring of 1852 to the autumn of 1855. The Advent Review and Sabbath Herald, which had begun in Paris Hill, Maine, before moving to Saratoga Springs, New York, would now spend a few years here in Rochester, New York. was here in Rochester, New York, that the Adventists would purchase their first printing press, an original Washington hand press. For the first time, the Review and Herald would be printed on an Adventist-owned press operated by Sabbath-keeping Adventist workers. It would continue here until October the 30th, 1855, when it would move to Battle Creek, Michigan. The years here in Rochester, though, were filled with sacrifice and dedication. The house would have stood right here near this spot on Mount Hope Avenue and it was furnished with two old bedsteads for 25 cents, six chairs for a dollar and four more chairs with no seating for 62 cents. They could not afford potatoes so they ate turnips instead. Butter was expensive and so they used fruit sauce and beans were a regular part of their diet. The workers, mainly in their teens and 20s, worked for little more than their room, their food, and their clothing. And about 12 of them at any one time would live in the White's home along with the printing press, working long hours into the evening, often till midnight, and sometimes all through the night. They cheerfully set about their task of spreading the message via publications. Uriah Smith, who turned down a lucrative job offer to come and work for his room and board, had been living here a few weeks when he commented that he had no objection to eating beans 
365 times in succession. Yet when it came time to making them a regular part of his diet, he should protest. Other individuals such as George Amadon, Warren Batchelor, Annie Smith, J.N. Loughborough, J.N. Andrews, Nathaniel White, and Annie White all passed by here in the mid-1850s. Many would die early deaths. Here, the workers labored faithfully without all the tools that would have made their work easier. When the first books were printed, they used a shoemaker's awl to perforate the backs. The sisters then used a needle and thread to stitch the books together, and then a straight edge and penknife were used to trim and cut the edges. There was no folding machine, and this had to be done by hand as well. The covers were then pasted on before they were wrapped and packed and sent out. Today, for many of us, we live a life of plenty, far removed from these early, humble beginnings. The work that began in sacrifice will end also in sacrifice, and whilst the exact nature of that sacrifice may look different today, the general principles of dedication to duty and commitment to the cause remain. Today we have perhaps more resources than at any other time in history and access to information and technology that we did not have in years gone by that make the spread of the gospel much easier. Let us not act lethargically, but may the energy and enthusiasm of these past pioneers motivate and inspire us today. For more episodes in the series, visit lineagejourney.com.